And hello, and welcome everyone to the comic multiverse, where the worlds of nerd meet. You oh see, god, he's got glasses. You see, I'm trying to do this whole, uh, what is it, David Caruso CSI thing, because I think that's really cutting edge, and the kids are really going to like that now. <laughs> you know, those shows did great, right? Those shows lasted forever. They actually did, though, didn't they? They lasted, they like, like, 20 seasons or something. They lasted a very long time. It's funny to think, like, the last holdout of, like, you know, cop shows of my generation when I was really watching cop shows is Law & Order Special Victims Unit, that it outlived all those other shows, all its contemporaries. It even outlived the original Law & Order. Yeah, it's pretty amazing, and everything since then hasn't. Yeah. I mean, like, there are cop shows now and stuff, but, like, I don't really know what they are. I've heard their names, and I'm just like, oh, is, is that a show that people watch? They're, like, they're, they're all the same thing, just different casts. Yeah, like, Blue Bloods and other stuff. Hey, l l let's take that to the, you know, to the chat, everybody. If you're watching a cop show right now, what's it about? <laughs> and I guarantee you there'll be, like, ten people who answer that question, and it'll all be the same thing. Well, I, I'm really interested. I mean, like, uh, Hawaii Five-0, that's technically a cop show, but it's like a remake of an old cop show, so it's not even a new yeah. cop show. Yeah. Cop shows used to be big, and now they're not nearly as big anymore. No. It's weird how genres come and go like that. But, uh, yes, everyone, we uh, do have some news this week. Not a lot of it, but some rather interesting topics that I think Matt and I can cover, and I think uh, I think you're going to like uh, what we have to say. And, of course, if you hang out to the end of the show... We will have a big rundown of what we read this week. It was a fairly sizable week this week in terms of comics. Some interesting titles. Wouldn't you agree? There were some, there were some interesting titles. I think you le uh, read a little bit more than me. This is another one of those weeks where I was kind of dragging ass, unfortunately. Yeah, I still got a couple to go. Same here. I, I just read uh, the Spider-Man for this week. Nice. But uh, our first story actually involves both DC and Marvel, so that's why it was the perfect one to start things off. Apparently, both Warner Brothers and both Disney have had conversations with Tyler Perry of Madeer fame. Hello, children. Apparently, they've both courted him at one point or another for some projects, but surprisingly... In an outbreak of what I can only call sanity, Tyler Perry has said, yeah, I, I wouldn't be right for these projects that they were pitching me. <laughs> he knows where, he's, where he works and where he doesn't. <laughs> I guess he does, even though he seems to be, like, shameless. He'll go out for anything else. He's like, no, no, I'm not a right fit for these superhero movies, mainly because they won't let me wear a dress in them, which is unfortunate. <laughs> I mean, this, of course, you know, opens up a terrible, horrible alternate, you know, reality in my mind where it's like, oh my god, imagine the parallel Rick and Morty universe where Disney went to Tyler Perry and it's like, look, we really want this Black Panther movie to work. What is your pitch, Tyler Perry, for Black Panther? <laughs> Medea goes to Wakanda. Oh my god. Oh, hello, Wakanda. <laughs> what you doing? Oh, ancient Panther gods. Oh, lordy. And Medea Civil War. <laughs> you know what you need, Captain America and Iron Man? You need some Jesus in your life. We need to go to church. And then she just slaps them both in the head and the movie's over in like 20 minutes. Yeah, she's like hitting them with a handbag. Yep. <laughs> you know, it's like, I make fun of Tyler Perry, but I'd be lying if I said I don't in a weird way respect the man. He basically built an empire out of nothing from the ground up. 
yeah, he he's got a niche and he works very well in that niche. Yeah, he man, that's what you got to do, man. You got to hammer yourself out a niche and then you'll work forever. I can't even say he's a bad actor. Remember him playing like the sleazy Johnny Cochran lawyer in Gone Girl? Yeah, he he's done some pretty like serious roles, but not no one remembers him for them. No, he was excellent in Gone Girl. I'm like, why can't Tyler Perry be like this all the time? Like he actually kind of has some talent. Yeah, yeah. Very, very, very weird. And also, too, it's like, no, I can't even hate Tyler Perry a bunch, too, because it's like, oh, he's keeping a lot of my favorite African-American character actors working and eating because he's, like, the only mm-hmm. one who's making movies for them. Damn. That's yeah. kind of unfortunate. <laughs> but also, like, hey, it's the way it goes. What, what What do you think DC talked to him about? What projects did they really want him to, you know, uh, headline? Ooh. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> Suicide Squad 2. Oh, God. Tyler Perry, Suicide Squad 2. And he's playing Amanda Waller is the thing. It's just Tyler Perry in a dress as Amanda Waller. Oh, yes. <laughs> Hello, Suicide Squad. Guess what? And if you don't do what I say, I'm going to blow your heads up. <laughs> oh, no. Now they face their deadliest enemy yet, Medea. <laughs> Hey, look, I cast that one guy from Law and Order that you like so much, who I guess, Jesse L. Martin, I guess he's technically already in the DC family, but she would find a way to cast him in that. Yeah, yeah. Every time I think of Medea and Tyler Perry, I just think of that Boondocks bit. Where it's like, so, you know, and this is the breakdown of every one of his movies. Basically, you know, it's, uh, what is it, some, uh, uh, what is it, mean, dark-skinned man giving a woman a hard time. But then she meets the nice, light-skinned gardener from Law and & Order, and then together, through the power of Jesus, it all works out in the end. And they're shot like plays, because that's what the guy did originally plays, and he's only ever going to shoot plays. Yeah. Which, again, that too, it's like, dude, the guy came from the world of plays, and yet he's made all these movies and TV shows and spinoffs and what? You'd be surprised how many people actually got their start in, like, plays and theater and everything. Oh, yeah, it's the Tyler Perry expanded universe. (laughs) Maybe that's what DC asked him for help for. It's like, look, we're having a hard time getting our expanded universe off the ground, but you have movies, TV shows, stage productions. You got it figured out, Tyler Perry. What's the secret? That's what they went through. <laughs> they went to Medea for help to get their cinematic universe. I mean, look, your, your movies are all connected with like the characters and everything. How do you do it? Yeah, how do you make it work? If it works for Medea, we hope it can work for us. <laughs> well, you see, first you dress in drag for Jesus is what you do, and then from there... <laughs> But oh, yeah, God, I, are we going to have, like, Batman in a dress now? Oh, God. This What's is the like, secret. See, see, look, look they, they, they took Tyler Perry's advice is what you can see. And that movie was a huge <laughs> success. <laughs> Man. I, like, I know this is, like, an almost nothing story, but it's like, when you hear shit like this, we can't not talk about it on the comic multiverse. Of course. No, no, I read, we can't. I, I read a headline like that, and I'm like, oh, man, Matt and I can do 10, 15 minutes on that. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so that's the story of how Tyler Perry almost became a power player in both Marvel and DC. Wow. <laughs> and uh, speaking of extended universes, and we are, the CW is planning to grow their superhero universe even larger now because apparently they're developing Project 13 to become a brand new series for them. 
Tell us what Project 13 is. Uh, Project 13, it's it's very interesting. Like, normally I'd raise an eyebrow where I'm like, oh god, we're doing another superhero in costume fights crime show. It's not that, actually. It's mm-hmm. about a girl who is basically like a CSI investigator. Hilariously, we were talking about CSIs. Well, here, CSI might be coming back. She's a CSI investigator, and she deals with, like, paranormal stuff. And, like, her partner in the show is her father, and her father is, like, a super skeptic. And, like, they kind of balance each other out. It's a little, like, Alias in that way. It's like a father-daughter team thing. Yeah, so Alias mixed with X-Files. Yes. Which, in my mind, I'm like, that's not a terrible pitch. But CW, though. Yeah, um, but I'm like, but CW, how are they going to CW it up? And in my mind, I'm like, well, guys, if you want a paranormal investigation show, you know you have Constantine, right? No, that didn't work, you know, that didn't work. No, apparently not, you know, and and it had nothing to do with the quality of the show. It was because he was in the death slot on Friday night on another network. But hey, if you have Project 13, Constantine can guest star. Wait, it's definitely possible because... He's guest starring this season in Legends of Tomorrow for like two episodes or something. He's got a two-episode arc, and in my mind, I'm like, why can't he just join the team? (laughs) He would be a lot more useful than, say, someone like, I know, Mick Rory or someone. You know what? Here's the thing, though. Honestly, because of the—and we're going to talk more about Legends because I have a couple more Legends-related stores— Honestly, I don't want Constantine to join the show now because now that the show has gone pure comedy, Constantine would stick out like a sore thumb because he actually has a little self-respect. That's true. That's true. He actually wouldn't work with the show now. Now, like before, it's like, no, we need Constantine on this show to lend some credibility to it. Now they're not interested in credibility. Now they've thrown that all away and he would clash with it. Yeah, yeah. Two episodes is fine. But they'll probably be playing it for laughs. And also, too, I wonder, have they uh, have they planned to bring Jonah Hex back this season? Because now that the show's a comedy, I would like to see them do something with Jonah Hex. I, I don't think so. I haven't heard anything. I would like him to come back. I haven't heard anything either. Because they've had Jonah Hex on the show twice, and both episodes were super lackluster. Mm-hmm. I would really like to see them do something comedic now. And now that the show is self-aware, I would really like Jax to be like, hey... Why are we letting this dude on the ship in a Confederate uniform? That's, like, not cool with me. Why did no one clear this with me? (laughs) (laughs) And then to have Joan have to explain, well, you see, it's not really because of any racism thing. It's more of a geographical thing, really. And I mean, mean, change is as good as the rest. Am I going to throw out this uniform? Of course not. (laughs) I only have the one pair of clothes. This is the Wild West. Where am I going to put my clothes? (laughs) I'm just going to dress like this forever and ever. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Project 13 should be interesting. It's funny, you know, someone was making the joke where it's like, if the CW keeps going this way, they keep adapting, you know, DC properties and everything. How long until they're going to stop being the CW network and they're just going to be the DC network? Yeah, really, because like half the shows they do now that everyone watches, all their popular stuff is... DC-related or comic-related, because I know that Rivendell show is really big, and that's comic-related. Like, they're very much getting close to a thing where it's like, you know, if you keep making shows like this, you could conceivably have, like, a CW spin-off network that is just nothing but superhero shows. I mean, they would only be DC shows, but still. 
they could put that that CWC thing that no one likes to good use and put it all on that. Which they already have a platform. They do. And hey, speaking of Constantine and we were, I think the only reason Constantine is going to be on those two episodes of Legends is because he's getting a seed or CW seed animated thing that they probably want to drum up more interest for. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know how to feel about those. That Vixen yeah. one wasn't very good. No, it wasn't. And Vixen got two seasons, and it's like, you made one episode, 22 minutes, and then you cut it up into five-minute chunks. Why? Yeah. What's wrong with having one 22-minute special and releasing it all at once? Why do you gotta make me come back, you know, every week just to get five more minutes? That seems like such mm-hmm. a terrible, terrible uh, format. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why are you afraid I might like this? And actually, hey, speaking of the Vixen one... <coughs> They actually pay a little reference to her on Legends this week as well. I'm like, oh, good, they're finally making reference to this, that they had another actress, then they just lost her. Yeah, they, they remembered. Someone on, on set remembered, hey, we, we you know, got this thing going on with this other vixen. Maybe we should make reference to, hey, maybe someone was passing around old episodes of Cape TV in the writer's room, and they're like, oh, <laughs> fuck, they got us. Yeah, again. They got us foiled again by the current multiverse. Damn it, they got us. Hey, you know, that happens, man. Sometimes, you know, internet videos can go viral in writer's rooms or the thing. Usually, it has the adverse effect. Usually, it's like, oh, fuck these guys. Let's never talk to them again. They're saying bad stuff about us. <laughs> Though I like to think our criticism was at least constructive enough. Yeah, we weren't, you know, just slinging shit for the sake of slinging shit. Yeah. Uh, hey, moving on from there, we have another interesting story here. Uh, the Punisher Netflix series, the long-awaited Punisher Netflix series, finally has an air date now. November 17th, so we're getting it sooner than anyone thought. But what else happens on November 17th, Matt, that might be of note? Mm, nothing really springs to mind. I mean, you know, nothing in particular. Just maybe just maybe a little indie movie you might have heard about. You know, a little, <laughs> little, 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 little mumblecore, a little underground thing. You know, not not a lot of groundswell. No one's really sure how well it will do. It's a little movie called The uh, Just Ice League. It's a, ho- <laughs> it's, 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 it's a hockey movie, I think, about The Just Ice League. It's a sequel to Mighty Ducks. Yes, yes, long, yeah. long in development sequel. <laughs> it it stars a Batman Bat oh no sorry that's that's Batman is his name sorry man that's interesting <laughs> Batman in a hockey movie a uh, a a Superman Min man there's you know, a lot of a lot of Hebrews in this movie man all these men <laughs> at the end of it but yes yeah friggin Punisher is opening on the same day. As Justice League, this has led many pundits and many article writers to be like, oh, could this affect the movie's take? Could this affect, you know, anything? Honestly, I don't think so. What do you think? No, not really. People have said this all the time. That's like, oh, you know, two two big pieces of media can't exist on the same day. I remember back when Grand Theft Auto, uh, Grand Theft Auto Four was coming out on like the same day as like the Iron Man sequel, and everyone's like, oh, yeah. could this could this like uh, could these two things <laughs> cut into each other? And I'm like, no. I'm gonna go. Yeah, they're two completely different things. No, I'm gonna go buy Grand Theft Auto, play it all day long, and then at night I'm gonna go see Iron Man and come back and play more Grand Theft Auto. This, yeah, it, it, it's a very old people's idea of media where it's like, oh, two pieces of media can't exist in the same window. Only they do all the time, and people absorb media all the time. And the, the Punisher, the Punisher isn't in in the theaters either. It's on Netflix, so you can 
easily watch it and then go see Justice League or see Justice League and come home and watch it. Exactly. It, it's not it's not going to like not be there. Yeah. It's going to be there. Hell, how good is your pad or your uh, cell phone? You could friggin' watch Netflix in the theater while you wait for the movie to start. <laughs> Just go for it, man. I mean, you could absolutely do that. I mean, heck, it's binge-watching. You can watch it whenever you want. That's the beautiful thing about Netflix. And I mean, hell, yeah. we're going to be doing both because it's our job. We're just going to have a really good November. Yeah. It's going to be a busy fucking day for us is what it's going to be. <laughs> and heck, knowing me, I probably won't be able to see Justice League till the weekend anyway, so I'll get a good head start on Punisher and then go see Justice League. Exactly. Which is actually nice, because, you know, as much as I love binge-watching stuff on Netflix, sometimes you do need to, like, get up, stretch your legs, take a break, get some food. Mm -hmm. Especially when it's, like, you know, 10, 12 episodes long. Which it almost always is. So, yeah, I'll take a, I'll take a frickin' Punisher break. Mm -hmm. I, uh, I wonder how Punisher is going to be received, though, given the current climate. They were clearly afraid of, you know, glorifying a gun-toting maniac man at New York Comic Con. And now to have a whole big series of him coming out now, I wonder if recent events will bleed on into the show too much and if people will uh, hold the show uh, to a different standard because of it. I wonder. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I know it was meant to come out, I think, the weekend just passed, or like in October sometime, that was not November. Um, and they obviously pushed it back and got rid of its New York Comic Con panel because of that shooting. Yeah. Um. I don't know. It's really weird. I know people are obviously going, ah, this is the NRA's, you know, it's the doing... NRA superhero, yeah. Which, I mean, he always kind of was, but then again, that's the thing about the Punisher. You like him, but you're not supposed to like him as much as no. people like him. He's. It's funny, it's like some people are like, oh, well, you either love or hate a character. No, you can like a character, but hate what they do, and that's always what's fascinating about the Punisher, where it's like, wow... You know, what an interesting, dark, tortured character. Man, he does horrible things. Yeah, yeah. So it is going to be interesting to see, especially all those articles that say this is glorification of the gun and all that sort of stuff. Because, I mean, a, a lot of these Netflix shows have leaned to, like, the darker side of things. I mean, you know, like, hey, Daredevil beats the crap out of people indiscriminately, and, you know, Jessica Jones drinks and is a walking mess and everything. Punisher, though... Like, that's a really true anti-hero. Like, that's a not cut and dry. Like, that is an anti-hero is what that is. Yeah, yeah. Which is always what's been fascinating about the character and what I've always related to. I wonder how people are going to accept it. Really, you couldn't have had Punisher if you didn't have the other, like, Netflix Defender show kind of prime the pump for it. Where it's like, look, mm -hmm. not every hero is nice. Let's put it that way. <laughs> You can no, be no. a hero, but still be kind of an asshole. And this guy <laughs> takes asshole and keeps going with it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that's that's kind of an interesting story there. Uh, hey, maybe another reason, too, they moved it the way they did is because obviously Stranger Things comes out either, what is it, next week, I think? I think the end of this week. Yeah, so Stranger Things comes out. Maybe they didn't want two huge shows jockeying for viewership at the same time. Yeah. Yeah cutting into each other you excited for stranger things season two i came really late to stranger things season one so so did i i didn't watch it immediately i watched it a couple of weeks after probably about a month after it came out and i, I liked it and everything and season two i saw the new trailer for it and it looks really interesting yeah but it, yeah I, I just never got on that that bandwagon that everyone seems to be on 
yeah, I didn't go gaga for it like everyone else. I'm like, oh, this is this is very workman. This is this is cool. I I respect all the references that it's making here. And oh, there's a lot of cool posters and shit going on here. And you know, Winona Ryder turns in a really great performance because you know you usually don't get to see actresses like her get to play that type. This is this is this is enjoyable. This is workman. But no, I wasn't one of those people who went nuts for it. Then again, maybe it's a generational thing too because it seemed like a lot of older people were really into it because it was definitely like, you know, a real guided nostalgia laser to people of a certain age. It it definitely was. It definitely was. And I mean even in this one it's like, "Hey, look, they're all dressed as Ghostbusters. Isn't that cool? Remember Ghostbusters?" You remember the eighties? Yeah, I remember the eighties. By which kids I kids mean, on I, bikes. Kids on bikes. Yeah, I remember the eighties. By which I mean, I remember that uh, MTV show. Do you remember the eighties? <laughs> that's what I remember. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, that's uh, that's more Netflix stuff for you, everybody. And uh, from there, we got a story about old Josh Brolin. Apparently, he said in an interview this week that cable. Uh, the character that he will be portraying in Deadpool 2 will actually have a major storyline that will be told over four movies. Yes, uh, I imagine that's probably a combination of Deadpool, X-Force, and probably his solo film. Oh, really? He's getting a solo, too? I didn't hear about that. Well, well, it, it all depends if he's liked in Deadpool 2. If that he does, is- that, the, all that four-movie plan is going to go out the window and it's going to be, you know, cable one through ten. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm like, you know, a four-movie plan, this is pretty ballsy of you there, Mr. Brolin. I think that's four movies if they like you. Yeah. I'm sure they told Taylor Kitsch, oh yeah, Gambit, he'll have four movies, we promise. (laughs) They're going to love this character. You're going to be huge, son. You're going to be huge. Yeah, and I wonder if if it is a four-movie trilogy or whether he's contracted for four movies like they usually do with these. These actors, how it could they could only be in one, but they're contracted for like four or five. Of course, too. He's also Thanos, and he's probably signed so many deals. Maybe he's mixing them up. Oh fuck! Did I say Cable was gonna have a four movie arc? No, I'm, I meant Thanos was gonna have a four movie. Shit! <laughs> God, I'm getting confused now. Why did I take <laughs> both these parts? Who am I today? <laughs> which which one am I? Where's where's my glove? No no no! You you get the arm today. You get the arm and the eyepiece today. Oh. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I was confused. Is Chris Evans here? No, Ryan Reynolds is here. Oh, okay. <laughs> I get confused sometimes. I don't know who I'm working with. That's all right. I have fun. Well, I, I, I wonder if he ever, ever did that. Like, like he, he's on the set about to do a scene, and he, he just he launches into like a Thanos <laughs> monologue, and it's like, no, you're, you're cable today. He's, he's got it, because he's the only one who doubles up like this, or at least doubles up <laughs> on such huge parts. Uh, God, I had another point here. Oh, and again, you know, when they say four movies, it's like, is that four movies he's starring in and is a big part of, or is that, like, some post credit scenes and some stingers and stuff that get counted in there? Yeah, that's, that's the thing. Yeah, or if he ends up becoming kind of like how Wolverine was in the last couple of X-Men films as sort of like a cameo yeah. in, in one, of the, one of the X-Men films. A bridge gapper, which, hey, you know what? Now that they don't have Jackman anymore, I could easily see them trying to turn Josh Brolin's cable into a Wolverine stand-in. Oh, they're looking for someone to turn into Italy, be him or Deadpool or right. someone. I think they're a little worried on pulling the trigger on Deadpool because he is so inherently R-rated, and if he's not swearing and talking about his junk and everything, 
people be like, oh, well, that's a little lame. At least with cable, it's just like, well, just stand here, look tough and gruff. <laughs> can you do that? Oh, yeah, I can. <laughs> this is my Josh Brolin voice, which is very close to other voices that I do. <laughs> oh, I'll tell you what, Tom Chaney. Hey, you got to put, like, a little southern accent onto it. you got to put, put a drawl on there, you. Oh man, speaking of uh, actors there, we were talking about Punisher and John Bernthal there. I saw that Jeremy Renner movie, another Avenger, uh, Wind River. John Bernthal has an amazing cameo where it's like he just comes out of nowhere for a scene. Yeah, yeah, I, I saw that. I'm like, hey, John Bernthal's in the movie. The movie's about to get really cool. Oh, he's in this this one scene that's yeah. kind of a horrible, horrible scene for his character. Horrible scene for his character. Apparently he lost four toenails filming that scene. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? It's just like, man, they had the Punisher and Hawkeye and Scarlet Witch all in one movie, but they weren't themselves. <laughs> that was almost an amazing crossover movie. <laughs> hey, here's some cool shit. That movie, Wind River, was directed by the guy who wrote uh, Hell or High Water, which I absolutely mm -hmm. loved with Jeff Bridges and uh, Chris Pine. So they had yeah. frickin', uh, what, they had Obadiah Stane, and they had frickin' uh, Steve... Uh, Steve Trevor. Steve Trevor in that one. That movie was written and uh, yeah, written by the dude who played uh, Nathan Hale on uh, Sons of Anarchy for like the first two seasons before he left for more money. He's apparently really rebirthed himself as like a writer and director of like serious note now. Yeah, really good movies. He he makes really good movies. Yeah, Sicario, Hell or High Water, and Wind River, which kind of have this interesting little undercurrent to them, kind of like a shared theme and everything. Apparently, he's doing a sequel to Sicario soon. Yeah, I think I think he might be directing. I know the guy Denny Villeneuve isn't directing it. Yeah, I I, I like him. Uh, Sheridan, that's his name. Taylor Sheridan, I think. Yeah. He's a good dude, that Taylor Sheridan. Let's 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 put him on a comic property. <laughs> I imagine he could do a really good job. He could do like a really fun street level type movie. Yeah, he could do like one of those indie comics, one yes. of those crime indie comics. He could. He really could. Dude, man, I, I wish he could have done Scalped because, like, literally the <laughs> undercurrent of like the last two of his movies have been like, man, America sure treated Native Americans like shit, huh? I was just thinking that as well, uh, especially uh, since after watching Wind River, I was like, hey, you could make a pretty good scalp film. Wind River is basically very close to being scalp. Like, it's it's amazing how close that movie gets in parts. You're like, <laughs> oh, sure, this is scalp. They even uh, have Graham Grisham in there, who, trust me, you might not know his name, but you've seen his face. He's probably one of the most well-recognized Native Americans actors in anything. Mm-hmm. Dude does comedy, dude does drama. Also, I say Native American, dude isn't even Native American. He's Native Canadian. He's from on. He's from one of the oh. Ontario tribes. <laughs> I know, because he constantly showed up in CTV stuff. I'm like, oh, hey, it's that guy. <laughs> I like that guy. But, uh, yeah, from there we have one last story. And uh, this, is, this is kind of a sad note one. Uh, Dr. Stein, who we love so much from uh, Legends of Tomorrow, this season will actually be his last season. He's leaving for Broadway. He's going to be starring in Hello, Dolly for the next tour of that. Yeah, so I guess maybe they're probably going to be bring back Ronnie Raymond. That's the thought because, you know, just because Dr. Stein is going does not inherently mean Firestorm has to go because the thing is, is that he's a character made of two people. 
Ronnie is an interesting theory. It would be nice to see Ronnie back. But they also have other places they could go. They could have Jason come back as they set up Jason Rush on The Flash. That way you could still have the book smart guy and the tech smart guy like interplay, only they'd both be young now. Yeah, I'd like to see that. And I'd also like to see like when they do that, like whether it'll actually change who is the Firestorm. Yeah, absolutely. They could also like do some crazy from left field shit. Like back in 86, uh, John Ostrander wrote like uh, this kind of crazy Cold War piece with Firestorm, wherein he ended up fusing with like a Russian superhero. So there was like the American and the Russian guy forced to share the same brain. That'd be pretty cool. That would be cool, especially now that Russia is acting a fool again, and now people aren't trusting Russia so much anymore. It would be funny to have, like, a Cold War-era Russian guy sharing a brain with a Firestorm. That'd be pretty cool. That would be interesting. Also, do you remember, and I can't believe I'm bringing this up, do you remember in the absolutely god-awful Future's End, they toyed around the idea of having a female Firestorm for a little bit? It was Jason fused with a woman? I think so, yeah. They could also pull that trigger if they want and be like, hey, now it's a man and a woman forced to share, like, one a hive mind and work together. Yeah, de- definitely some interesting places it can go. And it, I know um, with Stein leaving, he, he can't actually come back because it's, it's kind of a spoiler, but they're shooting the, the, the crossover at the moment. Yes. And he's in that, and apparently he gets killed in that. Ooh. Well, they are giving his character a lot of focus in the last two episodes. It definitely does seem like they're trying to build up to something with him. Yeah, so apparently something goes on there and he ends up dying or something happens to him. So, yeah, maybe that's like their reason for writing him out. Mm. Hell, they keep giving his daughter a lot of screen time there. Wouldn't it be funny if she joins the team and becomes the new part of Firestorm? That way you still have a Dr. Stein there. That'd be pretty cool. And then you could maybe have the woman Firestorm. You could, that's the thing, because it's like, as much as I hated Future Zan, I actually enjoyed the woman Firestorm design, because her hair was all long and on fire and shit. And I'm like, that's a good look. That's a fine look. Uh, Speaking of Legends, because we're talking about this, uh, last week's episode was actually pretty hilarious. They went back in time and hung out with P.T. Barnum, who ended up being the villain, which meant that it was probably the most truthful interpretation of P.T. Barnum ever put on screen. <laughs> yeah, it, it was a really fun episode. I really enjoyed it. Billy Zane playing frickin', uh, what is it, P.T. Barnum. That's amazing casting. Yeah, and uh, just Billy Zane in general is a pretty good actor. Mm-hmm. They also make some sly references and jokes about the Titanic, and I'm like, haha, that's funny, because mm-hmm. both Zane... And the actor who plays Dr. Stein yep. were both in Titanic. That's that's funny. I like that. <laughs> yeah, those jokes are pretty funny. That was that was really, really good. Oh, and again, as I mentioned before, they actually answered the Amaya storyline and they actually give Vixen a bit of a send-off, which I appreciated. Yeah, for, was, uh, I didn't expect them to do that this soon as well. Like, what's this, like, episode three, two, two three? Yeah. yeah. Only two, yeah. It's, it's better than the nothing they had before. Mm-hmm. Again, just a little shift in tone, making the show a comedy, and now the show is a lot more enjoyable. Yep. Like, before I'd put off watching Legends, like, oh, God, I gotta watch Legends for work. Now it's like, oh, cool, I get to watch Legends now. Yeah, it's 
totally different in just just little bits changed here and there and it's made it so much better Mm -hmm, absolutely so uh, yeah that's that's your cape tv segment for the week everyone thank you those who enjoyed it when we devoted a whole episode to television i was actually a little worried because the numbers were really low on that the first day and i'm like oh no oh no are people not interested in tv should we just not talk about tv anymore (laughs) but it eventually got back up yeah people people like that cape tv People, people got back into it. I guess, I guess it is a bit of a thing for fans where it's like, you know, I like comic books, but I don't watch the TV shows or I don't watch all the TV shows. So I'm like, you know, maybe if I just pick and choose or just do something. But yeah, we'll, we'll continue to talk about the TV shows, everyone, as it becomes, uh, as it becomes important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Flash wasn't really important this week. I mean, it was a fine nah. episode, but it wasn't really important. Nah. It was just, was just kind of there. Yeah. Although I do like the idea of superheroes having to go to couples counseling. Yeah, that, that's a really cool thing. I, I they've done that a couple of times in comics throughout the years, and it's always been really hilarious. I'm surprised they don't do it more often. I like they got to talk about work, but not really mention what they do. And I'm like, see, this is why they need to invent a hero who's also a couple counselor. That way, they can go to that person <laughs> and be out about what they do. He can just be some guy who just like lives on the Justice League Watchtower. Yes, exactly. And his job or his power is to be really good at couples counseling. <laughs> he is Cuplore, master of couples counseling. <laughs> he was trained in the Arctic to be the ultimate couples counselor to get people to really connect <laughs> with each other. When he's when his parents divorced when he was a child, he, he traveled the world. Oh <laughs> shit! Learning from all the different cultures and learning how men and women, and even you know men and other men and women and other women interact with each other. Shit, man. <laughs> Matt, we might need to kickstart this idea right here. This this will be something. It was it was trained by the the League of Couples Counselors. <laughs> which which was an offshoot of the League of Assassins. Like Rachel Gould was like, why did I set you guys up again? <laughs> this you you guys really don't gel with like, you know, the assassinating and taking over the world stuff we do. <laughs> like I'm not even married. I have a bunch of kids and I'm not even married. So like oh. <laughs> So he kicked them out, and they became a rogue order. I like this. I like this a lot. He was he was bitten. He was also then bitten by a radioactive couples counselor. Like <laughs> one dive through his window one night, his study window one night, got stuck in the house. Yes, yes. After his parents divorced, he's like, you know why? What must I do? Then a radioactive couple counselor broke through the window and bit him on the neck. Now he must want to the earth and help people's problems. <laughs> oh, but, but what's his arch nemesis though? Who's who's his cracked mirror version of him? D- Doctor the, divo- the divorcer. Yeah, the divorcer. <laughs> Doctor divorce. He goes around and gets people to get divorced. He just really talks them into it. He he he, he pumps them full of his his toxin oh. and its divorce toxin and just makes them like angry at each other. He's like, look, guys, I'm just saying, you'll be much happier if you break up. It'll be good for everyone. Also, did you see what you were writing about each other on social media? <laughs> That's that's the real thing. Social media. That's his secret weapon to get people to. Break up. <laughs> oh God, I like this. I like this a lot. Cuplore versus Doctor Divorce. <laughs> Dawn of Justice. Because uh, it's always got to be Dawn of Justice. <laughs> Has justice dawned yet, Matt? I I haven't been paying attention. 
Uh, probably not. Okay, if, if justice dawns, you got to tell me about it. I'll set I'll, I'll I'll set a Google alert on my phone for when justice <laughs> dawns. It. So I'll know. Oh, oh, what's that sound? Oh, I guess I guess justice is dawning. <laughs> I'll get right on that then. <laughs> and with that, everyone, after that wonderful aside, I guess we can talk about what we read this week. Would you like to go first, Matt? Uh, you can go first. Okay, I will go first then, but first I will need to actually look and remember what I read this week, because it's been a long fucking week. Uh, oh, uh, Batman, The Drowned, that was this week. Yeah, that, this, this one, uh, yeah. Yeah, this this is probably the weakest one. The Green Lantern one is still probably my least favorite due to the sheer amount of Batman exceptionalism that took place in it. But this one, this one kind of felt like Abnett phoned this one in. A little bit, yeah. That like uh, I, I I said on Twitter and in my review, like all all of the the Batman so far have been Bruce doing what he thinks is right. He's not really a villain. He's been just been corrupted by the darkness in the dark universe. Yeah. This one is just just pure evil. Yeah, all, all the other Dark Knights were mildly sympathetic in their way. They were definitely playing with the whole path to hell is paved with good intention thing. Uh, the Drowned, who we found out, is Bryce Wayne, a gender-swapped version of Bruce Wayne. She just kind of got mad and killed everyone for no reason, which we don't even really see enough of it is the thing. She's like, oh, I, 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 I loved Sylvester Kyle, the you know Catwoman equivalent of my world. We never really get to see him. We never get to see their love. We're just told about it. That's what they they, they should have done. It. They should have made it so that like we we meet them on Earth Earth Eleven. We see a little bit about their relationship, and then Aquawoman attacks, and in the attack, Sylvester is killed. Mm-hmm. Also, t- and then she kills the Queen. That would that would have been nice. That would have been good. It's funny too. Someone had to point this out to me. Sylvester Kyle. The cat of that planet, Sylvester the cat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's the joke, everybody. The big tragic death, and it's a Looney Tunes joke. <laughs> it's it's also weird too, is that they even kind of change the framing for this one, where it's like in every other story when we hear the origins of the Dark Knights, we basically jump into their moment in time, and we kind of get to see it play out. Here, the drowned is telling us about stuff that happened, so we're not really there. Yeah, and, and then also it kind of throws to question like, is it truthful? Yeah, is, is this like, is this some, is this like what actually happened? Because you know it could be that that like Batman thing where you think, oh, all these superheroes are evil, but really they're not. They're just people with powers, and he's yeah. kind of jealous. I mean, as we see Bryce, she's already covered in knives and shit, so she's already gone crazy by the time we see her. And I'm like, well, it's not a real fall of fall to grace then. If no. if by the time we see you, you're already fucking nuts. I think we're meant to feel a little bit, like, feel for her when she does, like, the transformation into, like, mm-hmm. the weird fish monster thing. Yeah. But really, you're like, no, why? You brought this on yourself to, you know, further a war and everything. It's funny, when I saw The Drowned and I saw that it was a woman and I saw she was connected to Aquaman, I kind of wrote a more interesting version in my head and I'm like, huh, wouldn't it be funny in a gender-swapped universe if, like, uh, Bryce Wayne married into the Atlantean family or something and kind of had to choose between, you know, the surface world and protecting Atlantis, but was treated as an outsider, kind of keeping with that theme that we've seen in all the other Dark Knights, and that is mm-hmm. essentially if Batman had the problems of his friends on the Justice League, he'd fucking crack under the pressure? Yeah, well, I, I originally think to the last issue of Metal thought it was going to be Mera because Aquaman mentions Mera, and we find out what happens to Mera in here, but I thought it was going to be 
like an like a different Earth's mirror where Aquaman died, she became queen, and the Batman of that universe killed her or took her powers or something. Or something, yeah. It's yeah. like, huh? I, I feel like we wrote more interesting versions of this story in our head. We, we kind of did, yeah. Feels like the version we got was kind of like, oh, really? That was it. I mean, it wasn't yeah. it wasn't terrible, but it's definitely been the weakest one. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so that was that was Batman the Drowned was not great. Uh, what else did you have, Matt? Um, well, let's keep with Batman. I had Batman issue thirty three. Yes, the continuation of Tom King doing Tom King stuff. <laughs> I like this one better than the last joke war of jokes and riddles, mainly Me because too. this one felt kind of like a Batman story. Yes, it, there was it, momentum. There was stuff happening. Yeah, the, and it's set in present time, so it's not all a flashback. So you know there's going to be stuff that happens here that's going to stick around. There's actual stakes happening. Yeah, and it, it was pretty cool. I, I liked I liked the um, the cut between uh, Selena and Batman traveling through this desert. Mm-hmm. And cut back to the, the Wayne Manor with all the kids there and being nice. told and everything. And then they find... Talia because the Justice and th- this is what confused me they say the Justice League of America but then they say the Justice League yes they keep going back and forth on it yes yeah, so like who imprisoned her we don't know it's also <laughs> weird like my big complaint with this story is like it's it's fine to have a mysterious story and everything but King gives us nothing to grab onto in this issue. It's like, oh, Batman and Catwoman are in the desert. Why? We're not going to tell yeah. you. Oh, they need to go to this mysterious place that the UN and the Justice League have an agreement that no one goes there. Why? They yeah. need to talk Why? to Talia. Why? Yeah, that, that, that's like the weirdest thing. Why does she? Why does Batman need to talk to Talia? Does he need to say, I'm getting a divorce or something? Or... Does, does she need to sign some annulment papers? Is this like a big long quest just for Batman to be like, oh, you've been served divorce papers? You know, I wouldn't put it past Tom King to do that. No, no. Like, like just something so simple like yeah. that. A man who devotes two whole issues to Kite Man would be willing to do something like that. Yeah. Funny, too, we actually get to see uh, Tiger Khan show up in here, who is, of course, the leader of Spiral and, like, Dick's former spy partner. I like, he actually kind of gets canonized here to be like, oh, look, shit, I'm in the big Batman book now. <laughs> yeah, I'm a real boy now. Yeah, I'm a real boy. I'm not just a minor <laughs> character who shows up in Tim Seeley stories. I'm actually, like, legit here. <laughs> Although I got to imagine, if you didn't know who Tiger Khan was, a lot of that would probably fly over your head. I didn't know who he was immediately, and I'm like, oh, no, that's that guy from uh, Nightwing. I know that guy. The guy who was the current head of Spiral and everything. I mean, yeah, Batman 33, it was fine. I, I will say, as much as I disagree with Tom King's interpretation of Batman much of the time, he does understand the kids, and I actually really enjoyed the scene of all the different sidekicks hanging out together. I think he encapsulated their personalities in little ways, like Damien is reading a book. Because of course he would, because he's a fucking nerdlinger with his bookie wook. And, yeah, uh, J- Jason is fighting with Ace. Jason is wrestling with the dog, and I'm like, yes, he would be that asshole at a family reunion. It's like, would you stop fighting with the dog? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's my meat, Ace. No, my meat. <laughs> it's like, oh my god, you were abused by your parents, weren't you? <laughs> yes, yes, we all were. <laughs> 
He's totally that guy. Which, it's funny, I forgot about Ace, too. A bunch of people had to tell me, like, oh, yeah, he showed up in the Christmas annual last year. I'm like, oh, and no one did anything with him for, like, almost an entire year? No, they've done more with Crypto over the last year than they have with Ace. Sure have. Although they do turn that into a bit of a joke where Dick's like, oh, yeah, there's a bunch of rooms in the mansion. Have you met the Bat Cow yet? Yeah, there's a room in here with a cow. Yeah, we have a cow. And furthermore, I'm like, hey, Damien, what happened to your dog, Titus? You had a dog. <laughs> he got that big that big demon thing. He's got he, a gargoyle. Yeah, that, that's better. Don't don't tell me Titus got sent to a farm upstate or something. I can't I couldn't <laughs> handle that. Of course, Damien's such a little bastard. He's like, oh, I tired of the dog and killed it. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, he would be that kid. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I was bored of it. I'll kill you too when I'm bored of you. <laughs> it's what I do. <laughs> Man, you you little psychopath abusing animals. That's always on the list. Loves fire. Abuses animals. <laughs> Probably smears his feces on the wall. He just hits all the psychopath checklist. <laughs> Batman, are you going to raise your kid? No, I'm going to elope with this Catwoman. <laughs> just, just seems like you have more pressing matters. Also, you left you left your whole city basically unprotected because you wanted to go do this. <laughs> yeah, it was more important. Also, too, I, maybe you'll agree with me, maybe you'll disagree. Does it not seem like when it comes to matters of Catwoman, Batman is a gigantic hypocrite about everything? Catwoman kills one of their horses that went lame in the desert with a gun, and Batman has no problem with it? Well, that's the thing. Batman had the gun. Why would? Why did Batman have a gun? I thought he gets, like, triggered whenever he sees a gun. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Which is, some people were smart asses in my comment section, be like, "Oh well, if Batman was willing to make peace with Jason Todd's gun use, surely he would make peace with Catwoman's gun use." And I'm like, I disagree with him making peace with Jason's gun use. I think that's fucking stupid. I don't yeah. think he ever should have made peace with that. I think that's some Scott Lobdell bullshit that he expects us to eat. Yeah, just because it happened in a comment doesn't mean you know we have to agree with it. Yeah, for real. Which, uh, which again, that's always been my thing about Red Hood, where I'm like, if he's going to use guns, and if he's going to kill people, he shouldn't be allowed to wear the bat on his chest. He can still be part of the bat family, but he shouldn't have the bat on his chest. And you, you, you know how they could easily, easily, like, get around that? Just say he's using, oh, he's, he's now using the guns Jim Gordon used when he was Batman that fired batarangs. Yeah, or rubber bullets or something like that. Yeah. Like, okay, fine, he's using riot rounds. Okay, that won't kill, but it will hurt. Yeah. No, but if he uses riot rounds, though, bro, he won't be badass as shit, though. <laughs> you need to kill to be edgy as fuck. <laughs> Killers are edgy as fuck, didn't you know that? <laughs> and these are the same people who boycott the Punisher. Yeah, really, it's edgy as fuck. <laughs> Goddamn. But yeah, so that was, that was Batman number 33. It's interesting. I would have liked some answers, though, to start off this new arc. I think Tom King takes for granted where it's just like, oh, well, it's Batman. Everyone will be into this. I don't need to explain anything. That's, yeah, that's, that, I haven't actually thought about it until you just said it, but yeah, that's kind of how he seems to be approaching his whole run. It's like, oh, I could write anything in Batman and people will immediately love it. Like that IGN article that said yeah. War of Tricks and Riddles was a classic. A new Batman classic, and I'm like, I strongly disagree with you. <laughs> and after reading the comments section, other people also strongly disagree. Yeah. 
You know what's funny? Uh, speaking of like uh, Joker versus Riddler fights, uh, Justice League Action, the show that has been canceled yet still has like 40 new episodes to show, even though it's been canceled, had an episode like either this week or last week where it was the reformed Riddler, which happened very briefly in Detective Comics, helping out Green Arrow and Wonder Woman solve a series of crazy clues put in place by the Joker. And Riddler was mad at him for being like, oh, this motherfucker stole my gimmick. I totally want to get him, and I totally want to help the heroes. And I'm like, man, this 11-minute fight between Riddler and Joker was way better than the War of Jokes and Riddles we got in the comic. It had more weight to it. It, it had didn't do more, it just just cause. It had more weight. It made more sense, and there was like a hundred percent less kite man in it. <laughs> so there you go, everyone. If you want what I consider to be a good episode of War of Jokes and Riddles, go watch that eleven minute episode of Justice League Action. <laughs> and again, and I'm like, yeah, it wouldn't have been hard to write like a good reason for Riddler and Joker to fight. I don't know why they had no reason to fight. Yeah, well, they, they had a reason. It was just a really, really shitty reason. Just a really roundabout. Like an after, afterthought reason. It's like it felt like you made this up at the end. It felt like you like knew what you wanted to do but didn't have an ending until the end. Yeah. Now, that being said, Mr. Miracle, awesome, and also by Tom King. Yeah, yeah. again, it's like different. He's not suited for Batman. You know, well, you know what I think is? I think, like we said, it's Batman. People will buy it regardless. I can do whatever the fuck I want. Mr. Miracle, oh, Christ, every issue better be a masterpiece if people are going to keep buying this. Yeah. Maybe he feels safe with Batman is the thing where it's like, it's Batman. People will buy it. Batman sells the book. I don't. Yeah, it's a commentary on, on, on the people who buy Batman books now. <laughs> See, I, I think that, too. Like, here's the thing. Tom <laughs> King is not dumb, and he is not a no. bad writer. But right. I really do think with Batman, he is stealthily taking the piss out of Batman and the Batman <laughs> fan base. And people are like, no, it's good, and I will defend it. I'm like, well, then why does he keep doing dumb, out-of-character stuff? It seems like he doesn't even like Batman. He makes him kind of an unrelatable, juvenile dick. It's like, no, he's more human and awesome. And I'm like, is he, though? Is he really? <laughs> like, I feel like Tom King is, like, with all the other Batman writers, you know, they're having dinner at a fancy restaurant, and he's just laughing his ass off. In the tower, the spinning tower. Yeah, at the CN Tower, he's just <laughs> laughing his ass off. I think he might have a little bit of a troll streak to him. And again, I met him ever so briefly at this year's Fan Expo, and he was a happy, jovial dude. You know, uh, I said how much I liked that bit in Mr. Miracle where they're on the beach, and I'm like, oh, he's doing a riff on the whole, but, you know, two sets of footprints because that's when Highfather was carrying me. And we laughed at that, and I'm like, okay, so he has a similar love of corny jokes for me. Same as me. Maybe this is what he's doing. Where it's like, what can I get away with in Batman? What can I keep doing? Well, the sales will still be high and people will still be giving me good review. What can I get away with? Uh, and if years from it now, it has to be. And if years from now he comes out and says that, was like, oh yeah, my Batman run was totally just about what I could get away with. I will say he's a goddamn genius. <laughs> I will say he's one of the smartest fucking writers in the world. If that's what it comes out to be. <laughs> and I think it might happen. I think there might come a day when Tom King is like, yes, I was stealthily taking the piss out of Batman for like 60 issues and no one caught me. Oh, that'd be great. <laughs> Did I tell you too, last week, this is unrelated, but it's kind of related, that I found a dead bat on my floor like two weeks ago? I think you told me that, yeah. I tweeted it out. I'm like, huh, this has got to be an ill omen, right? And then a bunch of people were quick to write me back and be like, hey, Jill, you know Tom King's a former CIA agent and shit. And you didn't like War of Jokes and Riddles. Do you think 
you think this is like the Godfather putting a horse head in your bed? I'm like, if it is, and if he did, then good on him. <laughs> I can't even be mad. I can only respect his devotion. Teach you for hating my book. His book and do it bad. And it wasn't like a big bat too. It was like one of the little ones, like one of the little bug eating ones, not one of the big fruit bat ones. But even still, I'm just like, wow, this is this is disturbing. <laughs> it's also one of the things too. I'm like, did this thing fly in a window and die, or God help me, did this get dragged in on someone's shoe and I'm only just realizing it now? <laughs> And then I'm just like, what does this say about me that there can be dead flying animals on my floor and I might not notice right away? <laughs> God damn. What do I even do with it? Do I touch it? It might have rabies. <laughs> so if I get rabid everyone or if I turn into a vampire, this is why. <laughs> you you heard it here first, everyone. This is this is just another chapter from the crazy roller coaster that is my life. Yeah, you can thank Tom King for that. Thank you, Tom King, for the dead bat on my floor. That may or may not have been from you. I just imagine him out in the bushes outside my window laughing. Ha 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 ha. Got him. <laughs> That'll teach him or maybe give him a funny story to tell. I don't know which. He had a, a new arc for Batman, leaving bats in people's, in people's, in villains, like, cells in Arkham. Man, if that's the next arc, like, if in issue 34, Batman starts doing that, I will quit. I will just fucking quit. <laughs> You'll go hide out in, like, the far north. Yeah, the far north. I will go up to, I, I will go up to Wind River and I'll just ha hang out there with John Bernthal. <laughs> But yeah, everyone, so that was Batman. Uh, what else did we have this week that was of note? Uh, Superman 33? Yes, yes, that's right. The beginning of Imperious Lex. Yeah, this is, is going to be a good story. A lot of setup, but some enjoyable setup. I like that uh, someone finally remembered, hey, wasn't Lex Luthor like King of Apocalypse? What the fuck happened with that? <laughs> this story was meant to come a lot sooner, but they had to breed schedule it or something i don't know it, it was meant to come before the the, the deathstroke arc right because they had all that oz stuff too i'm sure and they wanted a little breather in between it's so funny that like the slaves of apocalypse that made lex luther king come to earth and they're like hey hey dick you abandoned us come back <laughs> yeah please help we're in civil war at the moment which i mean apocalypse always seems to be in fucking civil war doesn't it yeah yeah Seems to be the constant state of that planet. It's funny, too, because this comes at a point in Superman and Lex Luthor's relationship where they're actually kind of getting along and actually fighting crime yeah. side by side. Yeah, I kind of wish we got a little bit more of that, like maybe an issue, like a breather issue of it just that, of just them dealing with, like, bank robbers who were wearing Justice League masks. That was fun. That was really, really fun. I like, too, this idea that whenever Lex Luthor wants to contact Superman, he doesn't call him on the phone or anything. He does that Richard Donard Superman thing where it's like, oh, it's a frequency that only Kryptonians can hear. Yeah, I, I like that. I thought that was pretty cool. And to see Superman actually brush someone off, which he usually doesn't do, but in this issue he's like, oh, God, Lex is calling me again. He probably wants to show me his new laser or his new chest armor. <laughs> I, I, I really wanted to see that where, where he's like, oh, last time I, I responded to that, it was just Lex trying to show me his new armor. <laughs> which is, <laughs> it's such a wonderful line because it's like, wow, that's hilarious. But also, like, aw, Lex Luthor has no friends, and this is, his only friend is Superman, a guy who was his enemy up until a while ago, and this is the only way he can relate to him, <laughs> by being like, hey, g come over to my house and see my cool shit, isn't this some cool shit, Superman? Yeah, it's cool <laughs> shit, man. I'm an alien, I've seen lots of things. 
<laughs> want like to stay for dinner? I can like order us a pizza or something. You know, you want to do that? You want to like watch a movie? Nah, man, I'm busy. I got a family. Oh, <laughs> uh, nothing's really happening with me, Lex, right now. I don't have my sister anymore. I'm just, I'm just kind of sad. But I'll never <laughs> let on that I'm sad. <laughs> I just love this idea of Superman and Lex having, like, a Homer-Ned Flanders-type relationship. Yeah. <laughs> howdy doodly, Superman. Oh, God, Lex. <laughs> the fuck? Also, I love, too, that, uh, what is it, the Kent family has a movie night and they go to see The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Yeah, I, I like that, and I'm like, wow, Clark, you're, you're showing your son this movie? Yeah, you actually kind of have a cool taste in movies that may be a little hardcore for him, but then, like, he drops a reference to be like, oh, Pa Kent loved this one and showed it to me when I was a boy. And I'm like, oh, all right then. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> it's funny because that's another movie filled with anti-heroes. I could only imagine Superman watching that being like, oh, you know, that uh, th that man with no name, that Clint Eastwood, he uh, he made some rather poor decisions. I uh, I would have done things differently. <laughs> If I was in his shoes, I would have I would have dealt with all of this. I would have brought everyone to justice. <laughs> you know, I've traveled back in time to the Wild West a couple times, son. You know, there's a whole alternate universe where it's just the Justice League, but we're all Wild West characters. <laughs> yeah. If you ever meet a man with a scar on his face, stay away. Yeah, fucking run. If you meet a guy in a Confederate uniform and a fucked up face, his name is Jonah Hex. Run. <laughs> Nothing good ever happens when you hang out with Jonah Hex. <laughs> Uh, and it's great too, like Lex has all these like fail safes in place where it's like, look, I guess you didn't get my message, so now I've sent these robots to hunt down anyone with Kryptonian DNA, which of course is Superman, but also his son, which Lex didn't know about. Yeah, I, I think they, they got around that really well. It was like a pre-recorded message. Mm -hmm. It was just like his robot said like he wouldn't know at all, like firstly who Clark Kent is mm. and who his son is and who that who they really are and everything so i think they they got around that very well some very smart range which some people brought up but wait didn't lex meet john and super sons he did but he didn't know he was superman's son and he also just assumed that he was a kid in dress up exactly which i thought was also really clever i'm like haha clearly tomasi is paying attention here and like wielding continuity quite well yeah and yeah, it's mostly just set up, you know, they get sent to Apocalypse, but of course, because this is comics, they can't all be sent to the same place, they get sent to three different places. Yeah, so now we we got this cool adventure happening next issue. I'm excited for it. Man, Lois got the shitty end of the stick, didn't she? She got dropped right in front of Granny Goodness and the female Furies. Ah, uh, she ain't gonna put up with any of that shit. No, she won't. In fact, I think that'll be kind of amazing if Granny Goodness is like, Oh, I respect your strength and moxie. Lois Lane of Earth, how would you like to become a new female fury? <laughs> We've never had one from Earth before. <laughs> That'd be pretty cool. I would be all about that, where she's like, you know, do your worst, Granny Goodness. I ain't afraid of your bullshit. Because <laughs> they really have been setting that up, that Lois is not afraid of any bullshit. She wasn't afraid of Deathstroke. She wasn't afraid of Jor-El. She wasn't afraid of Manchester Black. No, no. Nothing, nothing can shook this woman. Lois ain't shook. Huh? Ain't no such things as halfway crooks for Lois. <laughs> Uh, well, that was uh, that was good stuff. Uh, I, I guess dovetailing from Superman to Marvel's Superman-ish character they got right now. Uh, Thor issue number seven hundred was this week. I, I have this in my pile. I haven't read it yet. Uh, here's the thing: Have you been keeping up with Thor? I know where it's all up to. Okay, because I was gonna say if you haven't, this might actually be perfect for you because it's the first legacy issue. 
but it's also 700, so it's a big legacy issue where mm-hmm. they tell, like, five different stories, and I think the point of yeah. that was is that they wanted to get people caught up who haven't been paying attention. Yeah, yeah. Which is both a good thing about it and a thing that kind of annoyed me, because I'm like, no, I've been paying attention. Don't, you know, <laughs> not keep telling the story. Don't stop to get everyone else up to speed. <laughs> Don't punish me because I paid attention. <laughs> yeah, fuck these newbies. I want my story. Which, man, like, here's the thing. There's a lot of that going on in Marvel Legacy. And the Oh, okay, mm-hmm. so I get punished for an issue for paying attention, huh? You, you didn't think Legacy was going to be a jumping-on point, but Legacy turned into a jumping-on point, so everyone's going to stop for a second and reiterate what's been happening. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, it was kind of cool. We get a bunch of different stories. Um, Thor is trying to protect the Fates from Malekith because him and his Dark Council want to kill them, because in doing so, they'll sever the ties of Fate, which means the Asgardians won't have the advantage anymore, and they could possibly win the War of Realms. Okay. Which is, is a pretty smart idea, all things considered. And, you know, when when the end is nigh, the Queen of the Norns who watches over the fate, she's like, well, fuck, we've lost this, but I'm not going to give the bad guys, you know, the benefit of getting to cut the ties of fate themselves. I'm going to do it. So she cuts the ties of fate, and in doing so, she, she gets a little spoiler cast of her own. She gets to look to the future and see crazy shit that might be happening. Ooh. So we see Loki with the Infinity Gauntlet, we see yes. Thor in a brand new costume with what what looks to be a brand new hammer made of gold. Which makes me think, shit, Golden Hammer Man, he must have done really well on his online matches that he got the golden gun. <laughs> he must have pre-ordered and got the best DLC to get one of them gaudy golden weapons. Yeah, you got the ultimate edition. And I bet that draws a ton of aggro and costs him 700 bucks, but it's worth it. <laughs> Yeah, the, the new costume is kind of cool, too. It's kind of a melding of everything. Like, you know, you got the classic look in there, the movie look, and kind of what he's wearing now is just Odinson. Okay, then. He kept the beard. Yeah. Because he's going to have a beard in the new movie, so of course he kept it. Uh, Jane, what's interesting, you know, this supposedly kicks off the big death of Jane Foster story, but in the future look, we see Jane seemingly dead on the moon, but we also see Jane Foster Thor continuing to fight. Didn't we talk about that? Yeah, um, we did. We we sort of mentioned how maybe Jane will die, but Thor, the female Thor, will, will continue. On. Will continue to live on in some form. Hell, some people had an interesting idea that maybe the thing about the new hammer, now that we know that, uh, what is it, Mjolnir is alive and has, like, the soul of a superstorm in it, some people had a fun idea, and that is, what if Jane Foster's soul went to go live in Mjolnir, and that's why it's gold? I... Yeah, I, I was going to say something like that. Like, what if the female Thor, what if her Mjolnir, like, that, that's Mjolnir. It's not Jane Foster, it's not female Thor, it's Mjolnir taking on the form of the female Thor. That would be very interesting. That would be, huh, because that way you would get your death, you would get your big, like, you know, sad death moment, which I think Jason Aaron has been building up to it anyway. I don't think they told him. Oh, God, him. yeah. Like, I don't think they told him, like, oh, Legacy, you gotta kill Jane and you gotta put Owenson back. I think he was gonna do it anyway, because, I mean, come on, you mm-hmm. give a character inoperable cancer, they gotta die eventually. <laughs> There's no fucking two ways around. I'm like, oh, that would be an interesting way to have your cake and eat it, too. Let her have a cool hero's death, but also keep her a very integral part of the story. And also kind of have a chance to be like, hey, she could come back at any moment, though. Yeah, yeah, Definitely. 
There's also an interesting thing, too, they play with, because, uh, like, early on in Jason Aaron's Thor, it jumped around in time a lot. We got to see the adventures of young Thor before he wielded the hammer, and we got to see the adventures of King Thor, the all-father in the far-flung future. Mm-hmm. We get to look at King Thor again in this future, and we see that he's, like, defeated Galactus, and he's actually rebuilding Earth with, like, new humans for the first time ever and trying to be a good god. Cool. And it's funny, King Thor is nostalgic because he named, like, his Adam and Eve, Jane and Steve. (laughs) I'm like, oh, that's cute. He's naming humans after his friends that he remembers. I'm sure there's a Bruce and a Tony in there, too, and a Carol. (laughs) What are are Earth names? I'll just name them after people I know. (laughs) And you will be Peter, and you will have shit luck forever. (laughs) And you'll be Miles, and you'll be cool, and you will hang out with Peter. Just playing like dolls, but they're real people. <laughs> but yeah, that was that was fun. Thor, Thor it kind of jumped around a lot, but overall it was interesting, and it definitely promises some really cool shit that'll probably be happening in 701. Cool, it sounds really awesome. Yeah, I, I won't spoil the rest for you because you haven't read it yet, but like I said, there's like five stories in this thing. Yeah, I so I've seen, seen the cover, and it tells you all the artists and writers, and yeah. yeah. Looking forward to it. They got a nice team together. Oh, I didn't even mention fucking Thanos and Hela show up in it too. Oh God damn it! So it's no, getting. Even I guess because they're in the new movie. Because they're in the new movie, and they got to keep it nice and cosmic. And I'm like, all right, that makes sense. They, their story is probably the shortest. Theirs is like a couple pages. No, oh, okay then. So they kept it short. Uh, what else did you have, Matt? Um, we're just sticking with Marvel Legacy. I had all new Guardians of the Galaxy issue twelve. Oh yes, yes, yes. Uh, this this is looking to get more and more interesting. Like I dropped off this one after the first issue, but I'm thinking I should go back now. Well, much like Thor seven hundred, this is the perfect jumping on point. You don't say. Where they get no. people up to speed. Yeah. Um. Th- this is literally spinning the stories out of. Marvel Legacy, because you, so all you need to have read beforehand is Marvel Legacy. Uh, the Guardians is, are looking for the Infinity Stones. They're, oh, hot damn. They're all over the place. You know, Gamora's talking with Doctor Strange about the Soul Stone because mm. she can access it but doesn't know where it is. Right. Um, Black Panther meets with Rocket because he had a stone at one point and my, they're all looking for these stones and everything and Loki appears because he's looking for the stones as well. Uh-huh. And he's and, apparently going to be Sorcerer Supreme in the new Doctor Strange book. Yeah, um, Loki, he, he's keeping tabs on, on the Guardians because they're looking for the stones. So right. he's trying to make sure, and he's, he's doing like little things like that. They had this big story with the gardener and why Baby Groot is Baby Groot, and we find, found out last issue that that was all Loki's doing. Oh, shit. And so he's been like, he's been like giving them problems to sort of stop them from looking for the stones. Right. But it didn't really matter because they're still looking for the stones, but they haven't found any yet. So what you're saying is you should really be fucking reading Guardians of the Galaxy now because apparently a lot yeah. of important universe shit is happening in that book now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, that's just not it. Like we get new members, the Guardians. First is Deadpool. Yes. Deadpool says like, I want to leave. I want to leave Earth because of all the horrible shit Steve Rogers made me do, and I did, and. The, the Guardians immediately kicking him off the ship. <laughs> which, immediately. Which is beautifully fitting because Jerry Duggan, of course, writes Deadpool right now, so that makes perfect sense to cross them over. Yeah, the, the second character is Scott Lang's Ant-Man. Who also did some bad shit during the Secret Empire, who also probably wants to get off Earth, I can imagine. It, 
that's exactly right. And he's allowed to stay on because Rocket says he's cool and they can stand around being, or being around Scott Lang and not Wade Wilson. And Rocket and Scott hung out together in that Guardians team-up book that was also yep. written by Duggan. So there you go. <laughs> so we'll pay it off. Hot day. Okay, see, that's the thing where it's like Guardians are like, yeah, this is kind of cool. So, you know, really my thing. Oh, fuck, Scott Lang Ant-Man is on it? Well, now I have to read it. But wait, there's more. There's more. Oh, holy shit. <laughs> there's more that... They, they go get Baby Groot, who's been hanging out with Man-Thing. Oh! Um, Man-Thing, uh, since he's basically Swamp Thing's equivalent, he's the connection of the nexus of the realities and everything, and mm. um, he's looking out for the stones for them as well, but he, he's also been in touch with other realities guardians, mm. so like like the Dan Abnett guardians, the, the original, original guardians oh, with Yondu, all these different realities, and we find out that Every reality's Infinity Stones have gone missing. Oh. They've all gone missing, and every team is looking for them. Okay, you sold me on this now. <laughs> you fucking. I know. Yeah, I did not. I did not expect any of this stuff in just a Guardians book. Well, why is no one talking about this now? This sounds like this should be one of the hottest books of Marvel Legacy, and yet no one is talking about this. This is like the one thing where everything in Marvel Legacy is coming from this book. Uh, you know, Thor actually dropped a reference too to it because obviously Jason Aaron wrote Marvel Legacy, and you know one of the future things that the lady talks about is the final host, which are of course Celestials, which are Marvel cosmic characters, which I'm sure we'll probably run into in Guardians. Yeah, yeah. So, so a lot's happening, and, and right at the end of this book, the the Guardians get arrested by the Nova Corps. Oh fuck, we're back now. Yeah, yeah, apparently they're back now. We, we Last issue, which was like a breather issue, was a Nova Corps-centric issue since we learned that that Raptor, that um, that Talonar guy that Peter had been fighting with, was actually um, uh, Robbie Richards. Oh, shit. Yeah, and we get his story about how he, he got brainwashed into becoming a Talon. Oh, fuck. Yeah, and, and Richards out looking for him. Oh, shit. So, wow, that sounds like... What's Doug happening? <laughs> sounds like Duggan is actually doing less the Bendis, less the movie stuff, and going more back to the Abnet, hey, this is the most happening cosmic book, this is the Cosmic Avengers. Oh, God, everything was happening in this book. I was just reading, like, why Why am I not seeing anyone talking about this? The only other person who was talking about it was Mitch. Who's loved the Guardians and has kept reading it through the good times and the bad. Yeah, and I'm like, why is no one talking about this? Okay, Guardians. It's awesome. Okay, Guardians is going on my pull list. You win, Matt. <laughs> you, you got me. You got you got me too, Duggan. Like that's the thing. I love Duggan and I love supporting his stuff. But it's like I was so Guardians out at a point because it's like okay, they got mm. the movie, which is great. They got like four books going on now, and three have gotten canceled, and a couple are staying. And I'm just like, Egh. yeah. They, 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 there was a time there where it was too much Guardians. They almost had like too many books, more like Spider Man. Like they did. more than Spider Man, basically. They were very, they were very close to getting overexposed. But what you're telling me is now's the time to catch the Guardians fever. Definitely catch the fever. Uh, I, I guess too, keeping on the Marvel bent as we are. Uh, I also read another legacy book this week. I read the Invincible Iron Man issue number five hundred ninety-three. I read this one as well. And say it with me, hey, if you haven't been paying attention, this one stops to get you up to speed on many things. <laughs> yeah, much like every other book, this that's, that's like part one. 
yeah. of, of this Marvel legacy. And again, not necessarily a bad thing. They're definitely hoping that if you've been a lax reader, you'll get back in. But if you've been like Matt and me and it's your job to stay up to date on this shit, you'll just be like, oh, come on, really? <laughs> I feel I feel like I paid for a clip show over here. Yeah, that's that's pretty much what it was. It was a bit of a clip show. I mean, to, to Bendis' credit, he definitely gives a love letter to himself in the beginning at the big Stark Expo, where you see a bunch of stories he's been involved in, so you see, like, Marvel Illuminati. Some people were telling me there's even a bit in there of, like, Spider-Man unmasking himself. I I think probably. I, I, I had to have to look at it. I know there's, like, the Fantastic Four and everything. And, yep. Yeah. It's a big, busy page with a bunch of stuff going on. His uh, mother is running the expo this year obviously because tony is in a coma which calls to question a lot of what the public know about iron man and why tony hasn't been around because it's like he fell in a fight against carol danvers which was obviously pretty public but then like shield had him because captain america was talking to him in secret empire of the oath but then hollow tony was running around but then when we come back his family has his body at Stark Industries, but a year passed in between. So where the fuck was the body being kept? And well, it's it's not just like that as well. It's like just between the last issue of uh, Invincible Iron Man and this issue, this newish, new rebranded issue, they've changed how they found out that Tony was missing. Yes, they have because he goes missing in Legacy. He goes missing in Invincible Iron Man number eleven, and he goes missing again here for a third time. <laughs> Yes. So, like, was one of them meant to be the the, the AI, or I, I don't know? Because it's like no one's communicating. Because Bendis wrote one, Jason Aaron wrote the other, and then Bendis wrote this one again. Yeah, maybe he forgot. Which is very, very possible for him. you know what else he forgot about. Like, obviously, you know, uh, Tony's mom and MJ are patting themselves on the back for a job well done. They saved the expo. But then, you know, the the evil Weasley board of directors guy comes and goes, Oh, we've gotten the votes to, you know, vote you out. You guys are, you know, dangerous. We're going to take control of this company. I'm like, so you're voting them out for doing their jobs and saving your asses? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you, wow, you created this, this amazing Stark Expo again. Everyone really loves it. Sorry, but that cost money. Yeah, also, didn't didn't this already happen when Tony was still alive? Didn't you guys, when he went undercover in Asia, didn't you try and vote the AI and his mom and MJ out, and then you hired the ghost to break into Tony's vault, but Tony caught you and got you all in trouble? You, you know what would have been a really good thing is if it was... It, it was a direct retaliation to like that last issue where they found out that Tony had been using funds to recuperate rogues and like the businessmen didn't know where that money was going. They thought they were into some shady shit or something. So they're like, yeah, you're wasting our money on shady shit. We're going to uh, uproot you. That would have been something. But once again, Bendis has a hard time remembering continuity, even shit he wrote. <laughs> Yeah, the week before. The week before. It's like, oh, fuck, was that right before? But again, they're assuming this is a jumping on point, and they're assuming you didn't read any of that stuff that happened before, even though you and I did, and we're kind of getting punished for paying attention. <laughs> and then, too, just to really, you know, throw it in there, it's like, hey, guys, also there's another Iron Man. Doctor Doom is running around as Iron Man, so if you want to keep reading his adventures, you got to read this. Uh, apparently all the inmates that he got locked up in Rikers just left. That's probably, like, the only thing that that's, like, consistent. 
It is. Between the, the last issue and this issue. Which I, I do actually appreciate the reasoning where it's like, yeah, Riker's Island was staffed by S.H.I.E.L.D. people, and S.H.I.E.L.D. fell apart. So, yeah, mm-hmm. this place was hideously understaffed, and they all just left, and they're all gunning for Doctor Doom now. Yeah. It's great, too, is that, you know, uh, he has a moment with Ben Grimm, the thing, where it's like, oh, hey, you know, so you're not an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. anymore, and I'm still being Iron Man, so that means we can be friends, right? We can get along, you know, we don't have these organizations standing between us, and the thing's like, nah, fuck you. Yeah, you did some horrible, horrible shit to me and my family. That's never going to go away. Yeah, fuck you forever and ever. It doesn't matter what good you do as Iron Man, the blood will never be washed off your hands for your time as Doctor Doom. And that really affects Victor so much to the point that he just, like, teleports away all sad. <laughs> and I'm like, ouch, he, re- he really gave it to him. He really gave him the third degree. And I suppose it is in character that, like, the thing really shouldn't forgive Doctor Doom because he has fought him longer than anybody else. Yeah, yeah. And he's only tried to kill him, like, a billion times. <laughs> You can understand where it's like, yeah, you know, you're good this week, but that still doesn't mean you won't be bad next week. (laughs) And in fact, I think that's what this is all building up to. I think it's all eventually building up to Doctor Doom going bad again. Oh, yeah, I I said that. It's like, is this going to be the thing that he's like, now, fuck it, I'm I'm a villain through and through. I've tried being a hero. No one wants me as that. I'm just going to be what I know. I'm going to be what I know. If people never give me a chance, what's even the point? And also, too, like, Tony's obviously coming back, and he's obviously going to be Iron Man again. So maybe that'll be the thing. Maybe he forcefully takes the identity back from Doctor Doom, or Doctor Doom's like, well, I don't care. I'm going to keep doing it anyway, because I think I can be a better Iron Man than you. And it becomes, like, a rich guy ego thing. Yeah, probably. Something like that. Which, hey, fine with that. Sounds good to me. Yeah. I I don't think, though, that the guy at the end of this issue was Tony, though. I think it might be someone else. A lot of people thought that it might have been Arno Stark, because there's a guy who fucking fell off the oh, face. Oh, God, yeah. Remember Arno? I completely, for, I completely forgot about him. Remember Tony's, like, half-brother, who was, like, an alien, helped conceive him? And he was smart, but, like, just nobody gave a shit. It was when Karen Gillan was writing, and you couldn't pay me to read Iron Man. Uh, that was horrible. That was horrible, horrible arc. And it went on for so long. Which is really strange, because Kieran Gillen is a really good writer. Yes. I think works better with his own properties and works better uh, with Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. I think when they give him other people's toys to play with, sometimes he doesn't know what to do. And I think Iron Man was a perfect example of didn't know what to do. Yeah. And yet that was also a point when Iron Man was flying, like, probably the highest it had been in a long time, thanks to the success of the movies and Avengers Mania, that it just kind of got to coast being mediocre forever. Yeah. Again, like, it's, it's the Batman effect of what's happening now. Where it's like, yeah, people... It's a, they could write anything, yeah, and it would still sell. And they did. They wrote that yeah. Tony had a fucking brother who was conceived by aliens. Yeah, and that he might have been an alien. And that he might have been an alien. That's right, he went to space for a little bit, because he had to hang out with the Guardians, because the Guardians were getting a new movie around that time. <laughs> and so they really wanted to draw a comparison between the two. Yeah, that was a weird era. Yeah. Tony's had a lot of weird eras, like when he was a kid for a little bit. Oh, God, yeah, I can remember that. Jesus, that that's going back a while. Yeah, I'm surprised they don't do some shit with the champions where, like, the champions travel back in time or travel somewhere and they meet Kid Iron Man. 
Oh god. I'm surprised they haven't done one where they like meet their older selves. Ooh. Like travel to the future and meet their older selves and hate themselves for it because they grew up. <laughs> oh but you you know Mark Wade's got that one in his back pocket somewhere. It's like no 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 no, I'll tell that story at some point. <laughs> that would actually be funny to see if they ever like inherited other mantles or to see what happened with them when they became adults. Yeah, I like that idea to see the champions in the future and they're like, Wow, being adults ruined us. Let's never grow up. <laughs> Let's just Peter Pan this shit forever. <laughs> and hey, speaking of champions, that was the other Marvel Now book or Marvel Legacy book I read this week. Uh, champions 13, which was part two of the Worlds Collide crossover that they're doing with Avengers. Yeah, I, I, I kind of liked it. Yeah, I liked it too. Again, much like the other Marvel Legacy books, there was a lot of, hey, if you haven't been paying attention, let's catch you up to speed. Yeah, we got to do all this stuff. You gotta remember Vision and Viv aren't seeing eye to eye, so we got to talk about that for a little bit. And... Which, it felt so weird where it's like, yeah, it's Champion's first Marvel Legacy title, but it's also part two of a crossover, so you got to assume if I'm reading part two of a crossover, I read part one. Yeah, no, it, it's so strange. It kind of is. Uh, I will say uh, High Evolutionary's plan for Earth is actually a lot smarter than it normally is for him. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to change the polarity and the vibrations of Earth, so basically Earth and Counter-Earth will phase in and out of each other, so like Counter-Earth can take Earth's place, I'm guessing, is the plan. Yeah, kind, kind of sounds a bit like metal. It sounds... I bet Mark Wade was probably kicking himself like, oh, fuck, they're doing vibrations too? Shit. Because <laughs> for the longest time, we had no idea what Dark Knight's metal was about. And then only yeah. in the last couple issues, it's like, yeah, it's about vibrations and, like, bringing Earth into a different piece of space. It's like, God damn it, I'm doing that over here, too. <laughs> but Counter-Earth existed first. <laughs> <laughs> the Dark Universe is a new thing they made up. <laughs> that's, that's just so funny that, like, at two completely different companies, worlds apart, Snyder and Wade had very similar ideas. Yeah, yeah. That just seems to always happen. But yeah, it was cool. I, I like the idea. I'm always a sucker for heroes fighting natural disasters that they just can't easily punch out like they would a supervillain. Yeah, yeah. I, I like how they dealt, how both teams dealt with the same situation in two different ways. There was a nice international flavor to this book too because they go to Dubai and they go to South Korea and they go to China and New York and everything. Yeah, yeah. I definitely like the idea of the Avengers being like, no, nah, the whole world is our jurisdiction. Again, again as it sh kind of should be. As it absolutely should be. And they even play with this idea where it's like, okay, stopping a building from falling is easy. How do you save people who are falling out of a building because they're phasing in and out of reality? Yeah, I, I like that. I thought that was pretty cool. That's difficult. I'm like, ooh, that's cool because you have Vision and Viv who their whole thing is based around they can phase shift and they can do all this other stuff. But what if people start phasing and they don't know what to do? Because <laughs> you got to imagine, that's some scary-ass shit if you're a person who can phase through stuff because it's like there's a lot of science happening there and a lot of things that could go wrong. Yep, yep. Like what if I stop halfway through or what's on the other side of this wall? I don't know. Yeah, what if I stop in the wall? Yeah, what if I choose to become solid, like, at the wrong place at the wrong time? Then what happens? What if, what if I fall through the earth itself? Then what happens? <laughs> it reminded me, like, a lot of good Kitty Pride-centric stories when people actually started to think about how horrifying that would be if you could just pass through anything and everything. Yeah, yeah. Because so much of what we do as humans is based on the fact where it's like, okay, this this is solid. I can't move through this. My spatial awareness, my three-dimensional whatever, 
What if my powers fucked with that, though? Yeah, what if my power is no privacy whatsoever? <laughs> yeah, then what happens? I also like, too, that, like, the High Evolutionary and Counter-Earth are clearly the villains for this story, yet two issues in, they haven't shown up yet. Yeah, all we've seen is that, that like, Minotaur thing who's, like, heralding his arrival or something. I like that it's nice and slow. I'm like, good, because, you know, too much of the High Evolutionary can be a bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> Because the longer High Evolutionary is out there, like, God, you're kind of stupid, High Evolutionary. You're a really cool concept, but the longer I get to see you and hear you talk, the less cool you become. Yeah, your plans are kind of crappy. Yeah, he kind of has the Kang problem like that, where it's like when you hear him described and like you see him from afar, like, oh, that guy's cool. And then you spend more time with him, it's like, mm, you're less cool the more time I spend with you. <laughs> and it feels like that's all the Avengers have been doing in the Wade run. They've been fighting Kang, or they've been fighting the High Evolutionary. Yeah, well, yeah, well, the, the first ever arc of this new Avengers book was him, was them fighting Kang. Yep. It's like, do the Avengers not have any other villains? <laughs> it's probably like, well, we'd like to use Thanos, but we got away. Victor, Victor Von Doom locked them all up in, in, in Rikers. So. That's true. Infamous Iron Man is doing too good a job. There's no more <laughs> Avengers-level villains. <laughs> so so we're, on, we're on Kang's level now. <laughs> Are they going to fight the Wrecking Crew? Nah, man, they all got arrested. <laughs> Are we going to fight the Fearsome Four? Nah, also, all arrested. <laughs> well shit can we break some villains out of jail just so we can have some people to fight <laughs> I'm trying to think like who are some other like Avengers level villains they could use obviously Thanos which again mark my words as we get closer to Infinity War there'll be an Avengers versus Thanos story oh yeah probably I mean I don't know who they're fighting in No Surrender but I would really like to see uh, the Pimtron come back that guy's a really interesting concept yeah, I know I had people like say, like tell me like when I was did my review of my Guardians book like why isn't the Ant Man Hank Pym and I had to explain that Hank Pym is currently being used as a meat suit for Ultron. Yes, or maybe he's not. Maybe it's the other way around. We don't know. They yeah. keep going back and forth, but that's what makes it interesting. Yeah, like it feels like Pymtron should be the next big villain. Yeah. Like, hell, Secret Empire, Pimtron basically stole the show, and that is like, hey, but look how cool I am, though. <laughs> and I'm like, I agree, I think you're really cool. <laughs> so yeah, that was uh, that was Champions, everyone. It was cool. I'm interested to see how this story shakes out. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, was that it for you? How many more books did you have? I have, like, two more. Yeah, I've got, like, two more as well. Okay, cool. Then you go. Um, I had Black Bolt issue 6. Oh yes, this continues. Is this done yet? Because everyone keeps singing its praises, but I felt like I should read it when it was done. It's not done yet, but this this issue ended the first arc. Oh, okay. And this was an amazing issue. I really enjoyed this issue. This issue made me care about Crusher Creole, then I'm more comfortable with letting on <laughs> that's what i keep hearing and i love absorbing man and i love d-list villains everyone's like nah man this is like a love letter to him and i'm like okay you're speaking you're speaking my fucking language so it, it is it is so like black bolt crusher creole and a bunch of other prisoners in this inhuman prison break out this issue and they they face the jailer who's like this weird psychic person whose like body parts are like hanging in jars Oh, and it, it looks awesome. It looks so cool. And um, to defeat him, they need to get close to him. And to get close to him, they need someone who will be able to take a power to him to get through his shield and mm. let let him feed on their mind. Right. 
And um, to do that, they send Crusher Creel in, but they don't just send him in. They send him in with Black Bolt's powers. Oh, and shit. Black Bolt, it's actually really smart how they do it. They make Black Bolt use his powers on Crusher. Because of Crusher's abilities, his body is able to take on the attributes of Black Bolt's uh, voice. Right. So when the mind feeds on him, it feeds on all that power and basically destroys itself. Oh, fuck. And in the process, kills Crusher Creel. That's harsh. That's really yeah, harsh. Yeah, it, it is. It, but it's a really good, really, really good issue because the couple of issues before we got, like, Crusher's backstory and how he, he wanted to have a family with Titania. Yes. And they'd been trying to have a family, but they couldn't. And how he got sent off of Earth by Thor and the Avengers and... And, and wound up in this prison and everything. That's been a long um, ongoing story. Heck, even in that Illuminati yeah. thing, we got to see that problem from Titania's point of view, how she's like, I always keep trying to build a life with this guy. I went straight, I went legit, but he's just such a fuck up. Yeah, yeah, the, this is like the other side of that, yeah. It, it's such a good story, and they end up breaking out of prison, and everyone goes off on their... their um, their separate ways, and and it's just Black Bolt locked her and this little kid, and the little kid wants to come with Black Bolt because he's got nowhere else to go. But Black Bolt's like, this can't really happen because they're technically are a criminal. Yeah. But then he he realizes that like this prison that his people made and that he put all like horrible horrible shit in it, and it affected this kid so much that he's like, oh, I'll take him on. I'll, I'll I'll let love dictate what I do next instead of what I would do as a king. Wow. So, I, man, I think that's two books you've now sold me on, Matt, from the Marvel <laughs> Cosmic. Now that I know this arc is done, I think I will go back and read this because I know everyone's like, yo, but you'll talk about Black Bolt, though. And I'm like, Black Bolt? Really? Oh, it's, it's such a good book. Such a good, it's, it, it looks really nice as well, especially this issue. I know there was a lot of buzz around the writer from this one, uh, Saladin Ahmed, who's a Lebanese, Egyptian, Irish, Polish writer of poetry. <sighs> and stuff who started writing comics now and everyone's like oh we think he's going to be like the next big thing he's going to be like the next big breakthrough talent and one of the bigger gambles that uh, marvel has been taking right now it was like him and tanahasi coates and the guy who's writing falcon right now where it's like oh you know we grabbed yeah. these guys from like different not like traditional comic writing mediums but we but they yeah. like superheroes and they have interesting shit to say yeah yeah I know that's was, exactly what it, it worked so well. That's cool. I know there was rumors shooting around where it's like critical response and like editor response was so big for Black Bolt that like when this runs its course, they might actually move him on to something like uh, <coughs> something much more high profile. Yeah, dude. Well, that's the thing. Like I imagine, like Black Bolt was meant to be a bit high profile with the TV show and everything, but that never really happened. And but uh, he's he's probably going to make the character high profile with this because this was a really good comic and it's continuing on. I I think he's still writing it, um, but I don't really know where it's going to go. Whether it's going to like mold into like Royals right. with what Royals is doing because I obviously Black Bolt's going to go look for his brother and mm. have a couple have a little words with him. That uh, th This sounds like, for Marvel Cosmic, what I felt about Kingpin that also came out this year, where it's like, it was short-lived, it was a mini, but it was super fucking awesome, and it makes you look at the character in a new light, and it's a love letter to the character. That, that I feel like Black Bolt and Kingpin are going to be like the dark horse choices for best of the year lists. 
Oh, yeah, it's going to be up there. It's it's a really good book. I, I'm interested to see where it's going to go next and what they'll do with it now that they're out of this small confined space and into the Marvel universe. But, yeah, yeah. yeah it, it was a really good book. All right, adding that to my list. I mean, uh, I, I actually bought a bunch of new hot sauces this week to bring back Comic Spice, so maybe I'll catch up on Guardians, catch up on Black Bolt, and do videos on them. That way I'm doing the whole thing <laughs> and making another type of video at the same time. <laughs> everybody wins uh, I guess uh, one of the other two books I read this week uh, Nightwing this is Tim Seeley kind of winding it down closing up shop because he's going to be leaving Nightwing soon and he's going to be trading books with Sam Humphreys uh, yes yes yeah, the idea is is that Raptor, Nightwing's new arch nemesis, is you know completely messing up Bloodhaven, and Dick has turned to his uh, other new arch nemesis, uh, Roland Desmond, the new blockbuster, saying that if you help me capture Raptor, I will I will leave Bloodhaven, I will leave the city, but you gotta help me. And uh, Huntress, who is kind of his love interest now, catches wind of this, and she's like, "Oh, you're working with a mobster." I really hate mobsters because they killed my family. So Huntress beats the shit out of Nightwing in this issue. <laughs> and then breaks up with him and he's like, ow, way to add insult to injury to more injury. <laughs> and he's also like, well, I kind of deserve this. I kind of brought this on myself, didn't I? <laughs> and Raptor just gives him the slip through the entirety of the issue, but they do have kind of a funny little connection. Uh, his his ex-girlfriend in the city... Uh, Defacer, who was like an art criminal who did like graffiti and stuff. Her former mentor was like an anarchist bird themed supervillainess by the name of Pigeon. Get it? Because, you know, Pigeon and Defacer, they both fuck up statues. Yeah. Uh, she's an anarchist, and Raptor is something of an anarchist, so they actually join forces and be like, hey, we both have problems with these heroes in our lives. Let's join forces to fuck them up. <laughs> and it, it all comes back to the Desmond Casino where Nightwing is a blackjack dealer now and basically he's just sitting there as a sitting duck in the middle of a casino with like four different people who want to kill him. <laughs> and I'm like, this is cool. This is a cool setup. It looks like, uh, what is it, Seeley's going to leave with a bang when he does leave this book. That sounds cool. It's good stuff. Uh, you had another one you said? Uh, yeah, I had Wonder Woman issue 32. Oh, yes, uh, Dark Side Babies. Yeah, Darkseid Babies doesn't doesn't appear this issue. Um, th this issue instead, we get Jason, uh, Diana's brother, right? Um, make, makes a return after his brief appearance in Darkseid War, um, and yeah, it, it's just her, her finding her her brother. It, she goes to uh, Hercules Hercules's uh, lodge, his hunting lodge, his house, mm. um, and gets gets given the will that he's she's gifted him. He's gifted her the the lodge and everything. And he left a letter saying, hey, "I I I do. We were brother and sister. We, I didn't approach you because of all the the terrible, horrible shit I've done." And wow, that's... Hercules actually showing some respect <laughs> for the Amazons. Holy fuck! Yeah, yeah, and it's funny because Wonder Woman never sort of talked about him because of that horrible shit. Yeah, like she she tells the, the tells the lawyer, like, "I never really talked about him because he's he's done." Some pretty terrible stuff. He did, and and he, he he owns it and everything, and says, "Yeah, go find your brother. Make your family whole." That's a and, um, for Hercules as a character. <laughs> yeah, and he's dead now. Wow. <laughs> so, wow. so he, <laughs> he developed more in death than he did in life. Holy shit. 
Yeah, which it's it's really strange to see like the difference between like the DC Hercules and the Marvel Hercules. Oh yeah, they're completely different characters. Yet they're the same character. Marvel Hercules is a lovable, pathetic loser who's very affable because he always tries. DC Hercules is a douchebag <laughs> who like really fucked over the Amazons. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, she finds. Uh, her brother, and that's kind of like where the comic ends with them two meeting. We we also get to find out that Hercules hasn't been the first person that that baby Darkseid has killed okay. uh, since since Argus has been um, since the Darkseid War has been keeping a tab on like his energies. Oh shit! Argus came from, back. Yeah, they, they 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 kind of make a joke about it. It's like, hey, how's it how's it feel, Steve, to be back at Argus? Mm, I don't love it. <laughs> yeah, but they they've been um keeping keeping tabs on his energies and, and tracking all the people he's been killing. Right. And and then trying to get like a heads up on it mm. before it happens again. And yeah, they've been sh- sort of working it out and they haven't really got it there yet. So it just leads them to stuff like parademon nests and all sorts of stuff all over the world. So they've been hunting him, but haven't found him yet. Right. It'd be okay. pretty awesome when we find Baby Darkseid. Yeah, that's cool. That's that's another book where it's like I fell off on it, but I feel like I should jump back to it for obvious reasons. Well, last issue was James Robinson's first issue. Because I love me some James Robinson, and I definitely want to check out what he's doing for Wonder Woman. Yeah, and again, like kind of like much like Marvel Legacy, you could probably only just read Darkseid War and then sort of understand where this where this story's going. Yeah, want to get caught up? Well, you can. Yeah. Uh, I guess the last book I read this week, and this will be very brief because I just read it a couple minutes ago, uh, Spectacular Spider-Man, Peter Parker, issue number five. Cool. Uh, Vulture shows up because Vulture was in the movie and he's got a slick new costume. Not quite like the movie, but a slick new costume. Is it, is it like an exo armor? No, it's not actually. No? Although he does kind of have like a Mr. Freeze helmet now where he never used to. Okay. I guess that makes sense if you're flying through the air. You don't want shit to go into your eyes and into your face. Uh, He's trying to kill the Mason, who is the good brother to the Tinkerer. Uh, He's also trying to help out his sister. Sister, quote-unquote, the woman he thought was his sister because Mysterio and Mesmero fucked with him to think that it was. Uh, Mm -hmm. She's the ex-secret agent on the run from a group who uh, wants to kill her for blowing a whistle on all the shit they've been doing with superheroes. Uh, the Mason loses his hideout, loses his laboratory, but he still needs to service the superhero community. So Peter's like, oh, my aunt has a guest room. Go crash with my aunt. God damn it, Peter. Yeah, I know, right? It's like, wow, just wait, wait to just give up your aunt just all over the place. Like, yeah, just go crash with my aunt. It's funny because it's like when this arc started, he was still rich and still had Parker Industries. Yeah. But this issue, even though the arc isn't done yet, makes it sound like he's poor and doesn't have Parker Industries anymore. Yeah, well, he he, he didn't have it in Avengers, so... It's yeah, weird. It, it's, it's weird, yeah. It's weird, because the story started before Marvel Legacy, and yet it's caught up and the story's not even done yet. <laughs> it, it's, it's very it's very weird. It's very funny. And uh, Peter thinks that he can actually, like, you know, maybe help his sister out by getting the media on his side. And, of course, the media is personified by J. Jonah Jameson, who has gone full Alex Jones now. He's got, like, a crazy blog where he's like, I'll tell you the truth about the superhero menaces. I'll tell you all about it on my blog, JamesonWars.com. <laughs> I was waiting for that to happen to him. Jameson Wars. And also, while you're here, buy some tactical wipes for your perineum. It'll protect you from spider people. 
That's <laughs> I'm, just gonna, I'm just going to put tinfoil on my head. That's coming next. And uh, Peter's like, well, okay, look, you know, Jameson, if you can help get the word out about my sister and, you know, how she's being, you know, tracked by these people who are clearly, you know, evil spies and everything, I will get you a sit-down interview with Spider-Man. <laughs> you can ask him any question you want. You can get a sit-down interview with Spider-Man. And that's basically where the comic ends, building up to this big thing like, oh, shit, how crazy is this going to be, Jameson getting to talk to Spider-Man? That's going to be pretty cool. That will be funny, and because it's Chip Zdarsky, I'm sure it will be a laugh. I'm sure there's lots of jokes in there. Definitely. So yeah, that was my last book for the week. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, and uh, I suppose with that, everyone, we can start winding down the show. Anything uh, else you want to say, Matt? Any topics? Anything you want to direct people towards? Um, Coming up later this week, I'll have my review of Thor Ragnarok up. You get to see it first. Yeah, I get to see it in work-permitting two days a day lucky bastard yeah i was gonna go to like like the the pre preview screening but like they somehow like change it so like all preview screenings now start at like nine o'clock at night so i'm like i'm not on a weekday as well that's a bit so i'm like i'm I'm like yeah i'm not gonna be going to that i think reviews are good it's getting a lot of solid reviews Mm, it looks like a really good movie it does. People are saying it's the best Thor. People are saying that it actually gives Guardians a run for its money in terms of being the funniest comic book movie. Yeah, oh, I can't say that word. I can't say fun. No, no, you can't say fun or funny. Apparently, that really, really upsets people now. Yeah, very, very, very much. <laughs> I mean, I can't imagine anything worse than a movie being uplifting and enjoyable. <laughs> I mean, oh my god, you had a good time at that movie? What the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah, I know when I go to the movies and want to escape reality, I, I look for, for downtrodden, you know, dark, mm. grim, dark, gritty movies. I don't want fun. What, what, what is it, fun? Dark, dark, grim, dark. But yeah, so that's... Uh... That's that. Uh, As always, uh, with the holiday season coming up, if you're looking to buy some comic book trades for yourself or for your family or for anyone else, uh, we have links down in the description of our videos, both Matt and myself, to our book depository stores. It's our favorite place to go buy comic book trades. And if you buy via our link, not only will you be getting yourself something nice, but you'll be supporting our channels. You'll be supporting great content like we are watching right now. As always, thanks to the patrons. We got some new patrons this week, uh, some very generous ones. If you do become a patron, again, link down in the description. You'll be able to get this show, both audio and visual, early before anyone else, usually Sunday night, Monday morning, time permitting. So you'll get to see that. You'll get to see a bunch of other uh, content, podcast, everything that we just put up there. You can get it supports us, supports keeping content like this, lets this be our jobs, which is always good and which we always appreciate and we're always thankful for. And yep. uh, yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much it. So again, thank you everyone for listening. This has been the Comic Multiverse. I've been Joel. I'm Matt. And we will see you all next week. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone. <laughs>